0: The Almost Shameless Podcast with Tiny Ray Fox. I am your host, Tiny Ray Fox, and this is episode 16. It is Thanksgiving Eve. You'll be listening to this tonight or on Thanksgiving or maybe while you're eating leftovers on Friday, but either way, it's a, it's a good time, it's a happy time. It's been quite a, a journey to get to the holidays, and I think that. Even though we all have to spend them maybe a little bit differently than we normally would, there's definitely a sense of you know nostalgia and familiarity about the holidays that I think a lot of us have been craving. I know I have. I put up my decorations last weekend, my Christmas decorations, my tree, everything because. It's a late Thanksgiving this year, so I wanted to be able to kind of maximize the amount of time that I'm living with my uh, Christmas decorations and that coziness, you know, and I am going to, you know, really live in the moment. It's the first time I think in my life that we'll be eating Thanksgiving dinner and with the Christmas tree already up and I just love having it up. It really does make my living room feel so cozy and homey and I've just been really loving it. So my vibes and my energy are good today, which is good because I have some things that I want to get off my chest. And really the main topic that I want to discuss today is concerning the increasing sense that the NFL season is going to have to end up with an asterisk on it. And I think it's interesting that we are at this point with the NFL season because there have been these times where everything felt like it was going really well and pretty smoothly. And overall, the fact that the season has continued on without major interruptions in terms of week to week games has sort of lulled us into this false sense of security that everything is normal. But a few things happened today that have kind of thrown that out of balance again. And I just want to talk a little bit about what this season really means and how it's going to affect the legacy of the teams that succeed and the teams that fail going forward. I also have a few thoughts about the controversies surrounding Tom Brady and his performance in the game over this last weekend and, you know, how he performed against the Rams, but more specifically how Bruce Arians and the team itself are responding to him and kind of what that means for his own legacy and his relationship to the Bucks, what kind of light it sheds on his relationship to the Patriots and Bill Belichick in the past. I find it really fascinating that we are getting this glimpse into a world in which Brady is not treated with kid gloves in any way in front of the camera or in front of the media. And I want to dive a little further into that because (laughs) I think you guys know how I feel about the Brady versus Belichick drama by now. And this is sort of an extension of that. And finally, I have a little bit of a rant about the best and worst Thanksgiving foods that, I mean, it's time. It's time to have the conversation about one of the Thanksgiving staples. I can't, I don't want to give it away, but there's a Thanksgiving staple that I am simply not on board with. And it's time I air my grievances. Okay, let's get started. That stuff coming up. So it was announced earlier today, uh, late morning, I believe, maybe early afternoon, that the Ravens-Steelers game, which was supposed to take place tomorrow night on the NBC broadcast, has been delayed until Sunday because of positive COVID tests on the Ravens. Now, this is not the first game that has been delayed It is not the first time that there has been very little warning. This is something we've consistently seen throughout the season. However, this is extremely short notice. It is the day before the game. It's the day before a holiday. This changes everything about the way these players are preparing for their week. It changes everything about their, you know, they've already had a, the Steelers specifically have already had their season rearranged because of the delayed game with the Titans, and their bye has been totally screwed with. The Ravens were going to be playing on a short week from, their Sunday to Thursday, you know, which is something that you factor into when you're playing a team like that. Uh, That was a big opportunity for the Steelers to take advantage of a division rival. That has now changed. And, you know, there's a lot of animosity on behalf of the Steelers players uh, over this decision. And I want to read you a couple of their reactions on Twitter. So Juju Smith-Schuster said, First, the NFL takes away our bye because another team can't get their COVID situation together. Now they take away our Thanksgiving primetime game for the same reason, SMH. Chase Claypool, the uh, breakout rookie wide receiver for the Steelers, says just simply, what a joke. Uh, Tight end Eric Ebron said, I'm not going to lie, NFL, this is bullshit. And Devlin Hodges says, man, this is some BS. So a uh, lot of players pretty upset with this. And I, you know, everybody's first instinct is to always say, everybody's been dealing with COVID. Everybody's had these things come up and other teams have dealt with this and you're just going to have to deal with it. That's how it is. And that was a sentiment that was actually expressed by NFL network reporter, Ian Rappaport, who tweeted, the Steelers players are very upset, but if this keeps them safer, that is a win for all. COVID forces everyone to adjust whether they like it or not. Now, for the first time in weeks, a game is pushed a few days. So as you can tell by that tweet, the tone of it is extremely condescending. Games being pushed a few days. This is what we all have to deal with during COVID. Basically, shut up and deal with it. And the whole idea that this is just what we have to deal with is extremely unfair. And it's not true. Every single team has been affected by COVID differently. Some teams have had no interruptions to their season whatsoever. Some teams were affected differently by the lack of offseason and the lack of OTAs because they had a lot of veteran players come back. Some players kept their coach and quarterback combinations. Some are starting rookie quarterbacks. Some are starting a lot of rookie players. There's all kinds of things that just before the season even started had kind of swayed the parity of the league then you have these delays in games you know we've talked about what the covid situation in october did to the patriot season it essentially derailed it um, and we've talked about that at length and they're not the only ones we've seen what's been going on with the vegas raiders we've seen how the injuries on top of covid have really decimated the 49ers and their the solutions have not really been proportionate to the problems created right Delayed games and extended practice squads and all that stuff. They're not really translating. You can't replicate a preseason. You can't replicate time to practice. You can't replicate a starting quarterback. And you certainly can't replicate getting a division rival on a short week when you're supposed to be playing a primetime game, which is a huge deal for these players who, especially players like Chase Claypool, who are breakout stars. They're trying to make a name for themselves. These are legendary games that get the biggest ratings of the year and now they've been that's they've had that taken away from them. So on top of the lack of parity in this situation, there's also just the lost opportunity of playing on Thanksgiving. But to get back to my point, you know, this virus is not affecting teams equally. And so while we don't expect every single team to deal with the same exact variables in any year, this year it has been extreme in the ways that certain players and certain teams have dealt with this virus versus others. And it's leading me to feel like every little bit that every week that goes by this season is more and more likely to have an asterisk on it. And the idea of an asterisk on the Dodgers season has been brought up because the season was shortened. The same thing was brought up with the Lakers. And it's funny because that really hasn't been brought up in the NFL and To a large extent, the NFL season has been the most disrupted by COVID. You know, the NBA created a a situation where, while it wasn't completely fair and perfect, it was about as good as they were going to get. Everybody was playing under the same circumstances. Everybody had the same, you know, resources and opportunities to practice and be on the court. Everybody was living under the same rules and the same structures. And so in a lot of ways, the Lakers championship – was as fair as it could possibly be, maybe more fair than any of the recent championships we've ever seen. You know, it takes obviously the home field advantage has been taken away in the NFL, and that is a big part of some of these teams. And it's just not the same season. And the elements and the variables that we're used to are not there. And the predictability of the schedule is bigger for the NFL than it is in any other league because there are only 16 regular season games. Every game matters so much. Every week in the NFL matters so much. Every day of practice, every hour of practice matters so much. And that has been completely upended. That structure has been completely upended. These teams are flying by the seat of their pants. And you look at a team like the Steelers who are rolling. They are currently undefeated and very few people are really talking about it because what we aren't saying is that this season isn't normal. Nothing about it has felt normal. And none of the things that we recognize as a regular NFL season are there. And so their achievements are already being downplayed. And here they are again with an opportunity to have a big moment and to remain undefeated against a big division rival, and the rules are being changed on the fly yet again. You know, there's there's teams like the Dolphins, who are sort of bubble playoff contenders who definitely, you know, could have benefited with such a young team from a preseason that they never had and maybe could have gotten Tua out there a little bit earlier if they'd known sort of exactly where they stood with him, which they couldn't do because of the way this year has gone. And so they're probably a little bit behind where they should be. And there are other teams like the Chiefs. There's a lot of um, steady presence in that locker room. They didn't have a lot of roster turnover. They maintain their Hall of Fame coach and their probably Hall of Fame quarterback. They've got all their pieces in place. And so they're uniquely structured to succeed in the NFL under any circumstances because they're elite. They're probably the best team in the NFL. But then in in a COVID year, they're even more structured to succeed, right? If COVID had happened in the middle of the Patriots dynasty, you'd say, I mean, Jesus, this team is almost benefits even more because of their constant ability to succeed under all circumstances with Belichick and Brady and with the way that they create their rosters. Right. That was that would have been what we said about the Patriots. And I think that that's a way we can sort of talk about teams like the Chiefs and the Rams and to some extent teams like the Seahawks, you know, Teams with steady coaching, steady quarterbacking, a pretty specific identity that they've already been settled into that they can fall back on. The Steelers are another team just like that. And, you know, they should be able to count on riding that out the same way that the Rams have been able to, the same way that the Chiefs have been able to, but their season keeps getting disrupted. And yes, they are undefeated, but they are not a flawless team. I've said this a million times and I'll say it a million and one division games are as tricky as they come. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter in any given week on any given Sunday, a divisional rival is capable of beating you. And, you know, the Ravens are, might be struggling right now, but they are still, definitely going to benefit in some capacity by having this game delayed. They are the ones with the COVID problems and here the Steelers are being asked to suck it up. And it's just, it's not that I think that there's a perfect answer to this. I just think that our ability to assess the inherent unfairness of this season, it's lacking. And I don't think we're taking enough time to really look at what's been going on for the last 10, 11 weeks and say this is bonkers. In reality, what we're going to see at the end of this season is likely the teams with the coach and the quarterback and the like, you know, steady roster, those teams are going to be the last teams standing. You know, I doubt there's going to be a like Jaguars from a few years ago or even a Titans from last year a breakout team that really makes it through surprisingly because this system is set up to reward specific teams who aren't hit by COVID, who have everything going for them. And the Steelers are one of those teams, certainly, but when it comes down to it, you know, they might be, they're vying to keep home field advantage In the playoffs, if that's what they even ends up happening, right? Like we don't even know how this is going to go for the playoffs, but they're in a tight race with the chiefs. One loss is a big deal for the Steelers because the chiefs are right on their asses. I mean, this is that this has long lasting consequences and it's time. We start really considering what the legacy of this season is going to be and how much it really means to win in 2020, and they know that better than any team. And they're they're staring down the barrel of that reality. That stuff coming up. Okay, on the other side of uh, the NFL spectrum and the NFC, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers had another difficult game when they lost in prime time to the surging Los Angeles Rams, who appear to be gelling at just the right time this season. They are in a pretty difficult division with the Seahawks and the Cardinals right on their tail. And they are just defensively coming together week after week. And Jared Goff is really helped by the fact that his receivers are extremely reliable. Uh, I It was my first chance to really kind of dive into the Rams this week. Um, all season, was this was my first opportunity to do that, and... You know, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are really perfect receivers for a player like Jared Goff. They create yardage themselves. They are playmakers, not just with their ability to be, you know, reliable and catch the ball, but, you know, create first downs and yards after the catch and bolster Jared Goff's ability to function in Sean McVay's system. And everything's coming together. And on the other side are the Buccaneers who have succeeded – on you know on the grand scale of the season they're win- they've been winning games they have a good record they are in the hunt for the title in their division still uh but they've lost their games to the Saints the blowout against the- in their second game to the Saints was really really disappointing and they have a big comeback game last week and then this week things kind of fall apart and Brady has an opportunity to tie the game. He's got, you know, he's in a vintage Brady situation where he's got a little bit, he's got some time on the clock. All he has to do is execute and get them into field goal range. And they have a chance to tie the game touchdown. They have a chance to win it. And instead he throws an interception and it's a bad one, right? I mean, it's just, it's not a, it's just a not a good play. And once again, Bruce Arians comes out after the game and says he feels like Brady is having a hard time reading the defense. He's missing his reads and he's not seeing defenders in the secondary. And it's just a fucking wild thing to say about Tom Brady. I mean, this isn't a guy who was once really good, you know, and we, and we saw glimpses of brilliance. And he's a older guy and his skills are diminishing. This is a guy who for the first five weeks of the season was was one of the highest graded quarterbacks in the league. This is a guy who is, if nothing else, known for his exceptional decision making, his extreme attention to detail, his ability to anticipate what the defense is going to do, to sense pressure around him and avoid it, and to read defenses of all the things to criticize Brady about, that's just something that's, it's just, it was, it was shocking to hear. And if you watch the games with any sort of knowledge of how Tom Brady plays, you can tell that there is an uncomfortability with Bruce Arian's offense on, on behalf of Tom Brady. He's got all these weapons, but his downfield throws are his deep balls are just not getting there. And it's really, you know, Tom Brady's always had a pretty good, Deep ball and maybe a better arm than people realize, but he's he's never been in an offense that was based so largely on downfield throws. He likes a shorter passing game, screen passes to you know quick little running backs and and guys out of the slot and you know short route runners, throws over the middle to big tight ends. We've seen it all for twenty years. We all know how Brady functions, and you know the lack of a consistent run game in Bruce Arians' system is definitely alarming. You know, there were a lot of really good, fast, quick runs from Leonard Fournette on Sunday night. And I thought, you know, he's really getting going. They're going to, you know, be able to use him in these opportunities. There's a big fourth and one in the game where everybody was sure that they were either going to get Leonard Fournette on one of those, like, you know, he picks up speed so quick. He can get as long as they get the blocking. They've got this down very worst case scenario they run a sneak with one of the most prolific QB sneakers of all time right and they inexplicably ask Tom Brady to throw he actually threw a pretty good ball um the receiver just didn't make the play but it was just a sort of perfect microcosm of a larger issue which is that brady is clearly not comfortable in Bruce Arians offense and he's going to make plays and he's going to make things work but You know, his diminishing athleticism is going to, that's just going to happen. He's 43, but he's healthy out there. You know, he's showing his ability to make plays and still do what he does. It's just not all... Fitting into place the way that it should. And there's been comments obviously about his joylessness and his lack of enthusiasm. He doesn't have the fire that we're used to seeing from him. Even last season, when he seemed definitely over things and he was frustrated and maybe a little um, moody, and there were signs that the relationship with Bella Check and Craft had maybe deteriorated there was still a real fire and a real desire to uh, make things work. And I remember even going into the postseason ahead of their game with the Titans, there was a real, you know, the normal Tom Brady that would put out the hype videos and he was working with his wide receivers. There was just a sense of like, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to give it every single last bit I have. And, you know, that's just not happening right now something is up. And on top of it, there's this controversy with him not coming out to shake Jared Goff's hand during the game. That is something that he's done. Every time he's lost this season, he seems to be like, really, you know, he avoided the handshake with Nick Foles. He did it to Jared Goff. Poor Jared Goff is out there looking like, you know, a little golden retriever puppy looking around for Tom Brady. He's nowhere to be found. And, you know, I don't know if it's sportsmanship. Brady is notoriously classy when it comes to dealing with his own teammates and his and even, you know, other quarterbacks texting back and forth with people behind the scenes and things like that. He never throws his teammates under the bus. He always takes responsibility for his own deficiencies and the deficiencies of the offense, even when he doesn't necessarily have to. He has never been a shit talker by any means. You know, you don't think of him as a guy who gets at the gets up to the podium and starts playing the blame game ever. You know, he's a very, for lack of a better word, classy uh, competitor in the way that quarterbacks can possibly be when they're maniacally competitive, right? But there is this weird thing. It's, it's. I don't know what it is. It could be an Occam's Razor situation where he's just a sore loser and he doesn't like going out to shake the hand of a quarterback who just beat him. That's the easiest explanation. It makes the most sense, right? Maybe with his old age, he's gotten less capable of acknowledging his defeats. He's gotten more sensitive. Who knows? It seems a little backwards. It seems that as he's gotten older and he's become the sort of universally agreed upon greatest of all time that he would let some of that go that the chip on his shoulder would maybe smooth out its edges a bit and instead it seems to have gone the other way. You know, it might just be a level of uncomfortability with being on a new team and not necessarily feeling the same rhythm that he felt on the same team with the same head coach and the same ownership and the same fan base for 20 years. I don't know, but there's just something really off about everything in Tampa Bay. And, you know, it's like Gronk's there, but he's like not, it's like not really Brady and Gronk the way it was. It's almost like this uncanny Valley version of Brady and Gronk. Like they seem almost like they're them, but they aren't. I don't know how to explain it except for the fact that it's just everything looks like it's supposed to be right, but underneath the surface, there's nothing there. And it's unsettling. It's definitely unsettling to watch. I'm interested to see how the rest of the season plays out for him, but that is not a team that seems like... They have everything that it takes to compete with the best of that conference, which is funny because certainly the AFC is a more competitive conference at this point, but you saw how they looked against the Saints and how they looked against the Rams. They had a good game against the Packers, but we'll see where, you know, the Packers are still a little bit of a mystery in their own way, right? No one coming out of the NFC East is necessarily a threat, but whoever the wild cards are, whether it's the Cardinals or the Seahawks, you know Tampa Bay is likely to be a wild card themselves if they're going to make it into the playoffs. It's hard to see their path to even an NFC Championship game, let alone a Super Bowl. Shall we? I have an announcement to make, and I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And I really hope that this isn't a personal. Doesn't feel like a personal attack on anyone because. In 2020, I think we have to remember that to each his own, right? Everybody has their own things and we should be able to enjoy them. And just anything that brings us joy and happiness is something we should embrace always. But specifically, that's, you know, it's really important that we remember to do that now more than ever. But I have to say, I will never, ever understand the obsession with stuffing on Thanksgiving or really ever. Stuffing is stale bread cooked in a bunch of stuff that makes it soggy. And then we use it as this sort of literal filler food to just mash up with the rest of the stuff on our plate to give it flavor. And here's the thing. When I'm going to, when I'm just going to go hog wild on Thanksgiving, like we all do, going to carb out potatoes, and all this other food, you know, got cheese and crackers before the main meal, all these things. The last thing I want to do is consume my carbs via soggy, stale bread. When there's warm rolls, crispy on the outside, soft and warm on the inside with butter, just waiting there. If I, that's how I want to consume my bread on Thanksgiving. I don't want it soaked in herbs and spices and broth or whatever the fuck else you're going to put in it. No, I don't want stale baked bread to mix in in some capacity with everything else on my plate. I want to take a nice warm roll and I want to slather it in butter and dip it in gravy and use it as a mechanism with which to transfer other delicious things on my plate into my mouth with no stale, soggy, aftertaste. It's not like if it's not like stuffing is the only way we can get bread into our lives on Thanksgiving. We can have as much, there's crescent rolls, right? There's your normal dinner roll. There's all kinds of delicious buttery goodness that we can be taking and using as a way in which to put all the stuff on our plate into our mouths. And we're going to settle for stuffing. There's, like, you know those polls that they'll do on Twitter where they say, like, the most popular food from every state, you know, on Thanksgiving and all of New England and then into, like, New Jersey was stuffing. And I feel like maybe it's a really, like, northeast thing. Like, I don't even know if most people across the country are, like, set on stuffing or if they actually put stuffing into their turkeys or whether they just make it as a side dish. I don't know. I know it's very popular in New England. It was very popular when I was growing up. But then, you know, in the South and other places, it's like macaroni and cheese and like sweet potato casseroles and sweet potato pies and like stuff that's really fucking good. Like I never think to make a mac and cheese on Thanksgiving, even though I know that there's a lot of people who have that in their tradition. Um, One thing I do that I don't know if other people are would approve of is I know a lot of Italian families do this too, is we have all the traditional Thanksgiving food, but then also an Italian dish. So for us, it's pretty often lasagna. I know other people do like baked shells or baked ziti or something like that. We do lasagna at every Thanksgiving and sometimes on Christmas as well. There's just always an Italian side dish. So tomorrow we'll have all the regular stuff, not stuffing them, and a lasagna. (laughs) It's like two... Two main courses, I guess. Um, But we just eat it all at once. Uh, You'll have to let me know if you're an Italian um, or if you grew up in an Italian family who does Italian cooking, you'll have to let me know if you guys did do that as well. And if you're not doing it, if you do a mac and cheese instead, kind of a similar idea, pasta dish, right? But there's just something really thrilling about having that extra carb, you know? It's like you you have the potatoes, you have the bread and the macaroni just so great. And also great for leftovers because then you can kind of choose what your vibe is. Maybe you do lasagna at night and then you do your leftover like turkey and fixings, you know, sandwich, something like that. It just gives you a lot of options. Anyways, thank you guys for listening to my little rant about stuffing. I can't be the only one message me, you know, tweet at me, do whatever you want to do. Let me know how you feel. What are your most overrated and underrated Thanksgiving foods? I'd love to hear from you. Other than that, honestly, enjoy your holiday. Enjoy the time with the people that you are with and uh, stay safe. Make good decisions for your health and the health of your family. Embrace the vibes of the holidays in this time where we all have to slow down and be in our own spaces and eat delicious food and, you know, really dedicate time to being grateful for what we have. Uh, Other than that, feast up and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye.